So we're in the midst of a series called The New Humanity. In fact, there's only, there's only two weeks left. There's this week and next week. And um, thinking about next week real quick, next week is the one project that will be happening here on Sunday and Monday. We expect a lot of people to be coming into town on Saturday just to catch our worship services as well. So if you think about it, um, these services often get quite full. We're, we're cool today because it's raining, so, you know, we're all right. But they often get quite full. And if, they, if that happens, that's a lot of people that have to stand around. So if you think about it and you think, you know what, next week would be a great time to come to church at 9 a.m., that would be a great time to come to church at 9 a.m. If you've never done it before, give it a try. It's super exciting, super different. Um, it's exactly the same. <laughs> it's, it's not different at all, really. But, um, but the coffee's a little bit warmer, a little bit newer. We'd love to have you guys. We'd love to have you come. And if you can, if you're a 1030 or a noon person, we'd love to have you try out the 9 a.m. next week if you could. So just a little heads up for that. But our series here is um, called The New Humanity. And we've started with one premise on every single one of these sermons. Sermons, and so today is no different. The premise of the new humanity is that when God interacts with humanity, something new is made. Because God is this incredible creator. And every time he steps into something, it flourishes, it transforms. Or if he wills it, it just comes out of nothing. It is created out ex nihilo, we say. It, it becomes because of who God is and what he is. So far in the series, we've talked about being dreamers, being unifiers, being learners, being worshipers, innovators, and Today, we're talking about what it means to be diversifiers. And diversity is a really fascinating thing, especially when it comes to church. So I'm going to ask you a question to start off. The question is this, what do you like? Now, I'm asking that in kind of a general term. What do you like? There's certain foods that you like. There's certain, you know, um, clothing that you like to wear. There's certain cars that you like to drive. Your preferences are kind of part of who you are. The preferences of which you live your life when you choose to go to Thai food instead of Mexican food one night. Um, all these preferences are just part of who you are. And it's no big deal, right? We all know that we like different things. No big deal. But let me ask you another question that might make this a little bit more serious. Is preference spiritual? Is what you like a spiritual question? I mean, why would it be a spiritual question? Unfortunately, we have often treated preference like it is a spiritual question. Not only like it is a spiritual question, but like you've thought long and hard about what God thinks about a certain thing because that's the way you defend your preference. And when that comes into church, it gets a little weird. Now, are we just talking about worship style? No, of course not. Even though that's where it most profoundly has a tendency to rear its head. But we've experienced this in almost every aspect of life. And my good friend Nate Schilt last week reminded me of a quote from Anne Lamott, which I think sums this up, up pretty well. You can safely assume you've created God in your own image when it turns out that God hates all the same people that you do. <laughs> These are preference issue. And it's not just all the same people. What if it's all the same things? What if it's all the same things as well? I mean, look around you. Look at the diversity around you. We are not a monolithic congregation. You may be sitting next to somebody who doesn't look like you, doesn't dress like you, doesn't even speak the same language as you, may not have come from the same faith tradition as you did. 
right? Might like a different kind of food, a different kind of music, might like, might wear a different kind of clothing, might have a different kind of style, might like a different kind of car. Which one of you is right? Well, I mean, I know what you're all thinking in your head, me. It's me, I'm right. But are you or is it just a preference? So in the midst of all that diversity, in the midst of all that difference, in the midst of all that differentiation of, of you liking a certain thing and you liking a certain thing and you liking something different, and, and why do you all come here? I mean, why do you come here? Is it the excellence in coffee? Probably. Is it the phenomenal worship? For some of you. Is it the preaching? Probably not as much. I mean, what is the centralizing point? What is the centralizing hub that we can all agree upon? Because we're not all the same. We shouldn't be all the same. We were never asked to be the same. But yet we all come together in all this diversity. Perhaps Galatians says it best. In Galatians 3.28, it says, There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. You're all one in Christ Jesus. My hope is that's the reason why you're here. And is this the thing that we need to have in common? I think so. But is it the only thing that we need to have in common? I mean, is a common belief in Jesus really enough to bind all this diversity together? Is it really enough? That seems like a deep oversimplification. And listen, Seventh-day Adventists, we don't like anything simple. We like to make it difficult. We are policy people. We like to, you know, our theology is at times difficult. Um, we like to make sure that we know stuff. It, can, you, can, you, can, we, can we really simplify it to the fact that a common belief in Jesus is enough to bring us together and keep us together? You see, a legalist would beg another question here. A legalist would beg another question. A legalist would say, well, which Jesus are you talking about? That sounds like a silly question, doesn't it? Um, it's been asked of me. Well, which Jesus are you preaching? I, I, I was agog. That's the word I'll use. I was agog when someone asked me that. Well, which, which Jesus are you preaching? I was like, I don't, Wow. Because until this moment, I was not aware that there were more than the one I found in Scripture. And so that's how I answered. I said, well, the one I find in Scripture. And they're like, where in Scripture? I was like, man, buddy. I said, okay, well, let me just bring you to the Jesus that I know. Um, I go to Colossians chapter 1. It's beautiful. It's also the leading text that we have for, um, for the One Project this, this year. But Colossians 1.16 says this, for, though, for through him God created everything in the heavens, in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms, rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. This is the Jesus from creation and before, everything for him, everything through him. He existed before anything else and he holds all of creation together. This is the cosmic Jesus. And when he holds it together, he is on the cross 
For God in his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And what this means, there's other translations that say it differently. I like the way the New Living Translation says it, but, but what it means is that God was pleased to have everything he was reside in Jesus. Every time you see Jesus, every time you look at Jesus, every time you sing to Jesus, every time you pray to Jesus, every time you use that word, you are expressing the full 360 degree, three dimensional Jesus, God, Holy Spirit that we find in scripture. That's the Jesus I'm talking about. And he was like, oh, well, okay then. And I said, wait, what other Jesuses are there? And he said, well, there's, said this, well, there's the Seventh-day Adventist Jesus. <laughs> and I said, that's not what you mean. That's not what you mean. You mean the way that we think about Jesus and that's a little bit different. Well, yes, I'm like, same guy, same guy. We may use different words, we may use different language, but that centralizing point of any faith community that calls itself Christian is Jesus or you're not Christian. You're just some weird social group that likes to meet on any given time during the weekend, right? If there is one centralizing person, we could ask the question, why are there so many differences among Jesus believers? Why, I mean, why do we not all see things the same? If, if Jesus is a centralizing point, how can there be 33,000 denominations in North America 33,000. How can there be that if we all believe in the same Jesus and we all believe in the same one? Okay, friends, some of it's theological, some of it's preference, and some of it's just the fact that we're different. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says it this way, the human body has many parts. Now, I've not taken anatomy and physiology, but I believe this to be true. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Continuing on, some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free, but we've all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. There is one unifying principle. It's Jesus Christ. It's the Holy Spirit. It's God the Father, three in one. Why are there divisions? Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. It's all reiterated. There's a diversity in purpose at times, in function certainly, in work, but we are all part of the same thing. Some of us are called to be hands, some of us are called to be feet, some of us are called to be elbows, but we all have a purpose, but we don't all like the same things. And here's my question for you today. Have we allowed our preferences to be the things that divide us? Have we allowed the things that we like to be the thing that divides us from a brother and sister in the same pew? Now, that's a difficult question, right? And the paradox of Christianity is always overwhelming to me. You must die to live. You must lose it all to gain. That's a paradox that we live in with Christianity. And so I'll answer this question in a paradox as well. Have we allowed our preferences to be the thing that divides us? The answer is yes and no. Because there are certainly differences that ultimately will divide us and say we can't fellowship together. But God forbid those things be what I like. There's differences in how we express him, differences in how we understand his character to the world. There are different expressions, valid expressions that don't look anything like us. 
I often have people come into the church and say, why do you think this is the right way to worship? And I always go, it's not. It's the way that we've been given. And if you've been given a different way, praise God. Just don't sit here and be unhappy. Because life is too short to be unhappy in your faith community. Life is too short to be fighting with the people you're supposed to be loving all the time. You see, in that diversity, there still has to be a common theme. And this is the thing about the new humanity, what God is transforming us into. The new humanity does not insist that everyone like what they like. It's okay. You don't have to like what I like. I did youth ministry for a lot of years and I loved working in churches that would let us do what needed to be done for the youth and wouldn't judge and wouldn't be critical. Even when they said, hey, I don't like it, but at least our kids are in church. I always appreciated that. In fact, when we were, um, when we were having the conversations with Southern California Conference to, to look at our Foothills campus, the conference president over there said, listen, this is not the kind of church I ever wanna go to. <laughs> but I'm so glad that you guys are gonna do this. And I was like, right on, man, leadership. And I hope he never shows up. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I mean that so he doesn't have anxiety. <laughs> Sorry. Listen, we understand, the new humanity understands that there are differences. We also believe in the commonalities. We celebrate the diversity, but long for the unity that can come through that diversity. I do not want all of you to be like me. How boring that would be. So how do we celebrate diversity? How do we recognize the different parts and know they have a purpose and that is it is important? Well, the first way we do that is we simply ask questions. We stop assuming that a hand and the foot, foot are the same, that they just look different. And we ask them what it's like to be a foot, what it's like to be a hand, what it's like to be a heart. If you were here with us a few years ago, you know that we had a really difficult interchange one week. I brought a friend of mine in, uh, a community activist and a Baptist pastor come in, African-American gentleman. And he came and he started talking about what it was like to be an African-American in San Bernardino during a really tough week with a lot of shootings. And in the midst of it, we had someone who took issue, I would say, with what he was saying. And he stood up and they engaged in an interchange. It was difficult. Some would say it was even frightening. We had people get up and leave because there was heat in the conversation. There was tension in the room. But I'll never forget the gentleman who was standing on the floor, said, okay, then what are we going to do? And that's when the conversation changed. When he began to ask questions and both communities had to recognize that they both had parts to play and both had parts to play in where we are and both had parts to play in where we were going as a community to be able to heal. When those questions began to get asked, healing happened and we ended with prayer right here. And if you were there, you'll never forget that day. I'm not saying it was the best thing that ever should have happened, but man, did we learn because we stopped assuming. You see, differences can challenge the assumptions that you live with already. How many times have we seen our assumptions be challenged through something that at first we didn't understand and we had to ask questions about it until we finally began to understand what the other person was thinking? The way we celebrate diversity is that we accept that there are differences. We don't assume everyone likes what we like or does it the same way that we do it, and that's okay. 
A few weeks ago, I used the metaphor that C.S. Lewis used about Christianity being a home where there's lots of different rooms in that home. <clears throat> and I talked about coming down to dinner. You see, you celebrate diversity by coming down to dinner and you're bringing your own plate and you may not eat out of your brother or sister's plate, but you are super excited that they've got food too. Even if it's not food that you're necessarily going to eat and you can still eat in the same room together. We celebrate diversity when we stop spiritualizing preference. Sometimes preference is just that. It's what you like or what you don't like. I mean, listen, if we spiritualize, if we, if we spiritualize preference in our house, we would never go out to dinner together because I've got three kids. And if I say, hey, where do you guys want to go? I'm going to get three different answers. And each one of those kids thinks they're right. In the end, we should all know my wife is right. <laughs> um, you see, we expect and accept. Sorry, I got stuck in a loop there in my head. We expect and we accept that we are all different, but that God is still overall. So I'm going to jump into Romans 14 real quick. And, and Romans 14 is this text that we struggle with, right? And, and Pastor Isai spoke on it when we were in our Romans series. I'm obviously not going to do the whole book, but there's a few things that Romans um, 14 says because Paul was dealing with diversity within the community and he was dealing with diversity within the community on how people expressed what they thought was making them more spiritual or less spiritual, keeping a day or not keeping a day, eating certain foods or not eating certain foods. This is why Adventists don't preach on, on, on Romans 14. We're like, nah, it's easier to ignore it. Right? But what he says after he's having these arguments, one of the things he says is, so why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we all stand before the judgment seat of God. For the scriptures say, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me and every tongue will declare allegiance to God. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. So let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. This statement of grace for believers who don't express their belief in the same way that you do, that don't maybe need the same things that you do to continue to grow in their faith, it's different. This amazing ascent to diversity within the kingdom of God should be a roadmap for us. It should be the way that we interact with one another. Because we know this, we have the underlying and overwhelming centralizing principle of Jesus. And while we might not look the same in the way that we express it, we know that that's the most important thing. And so sometimes, every once in a while, we can put our own preferences aside and we can be with people who are different than us. So learn the difference. Learn the difference between preference and principle. Learn the difference between what you like and who God is. You see, these differences, they make us different. 
They make us interesting. They make us phenomenal. And perhaps this was God's plan all along. Perhaps this was God's plan. That you would look at the person next to you and go, I don't, I don't always see myself in you because you look so much different than me, but I can see the image of God in you. And it's so different than the image I see when I look in the mirror or when I look to the, to the left side of me. I don't think God looks like me. I think somehow God looks like us. And I don't know how his image is expressed in the midst of all of that, but it is. Perhaps the differentiation, the diversification of every single person sitting in this room is exactly what God wanted from the very beginning so that we could all recognize that God is not just the God of me. God is the God of every single one of us in the room. Regardless of what you look like, regardless of what you like, regardless of how you dress, how you like to worship, what kind of food you like to eat, what language you speak, none of that matters when God is overall. His vantage point is all of us. And I think this was the plan. I think God wanted to create a vast and myriad group of people so that we could constantly be surprised by one another every single day as the image of God is revealed through you and through me. Let's bow our heads. Jesus, may your image be expressed. May it be revealed through all of us. May we see who you are in the people that are next to us and the ones that don't look like us, even more so. The ones that we don't understand or we might have a bias against, Lord, even more so. Lord, may we never be a church that is monolithic and homogenous, but we, may we be a church that is constantly overwhelmed by the newness of culture, the newness of language, the newness of people, and, and the diversity that is built within that. May we never look around and only see ourselves in the pew next to us. May we see those that we have nothing in common with, knowing that we have everything in common with, because we have you in common with them. We ask these things in your holy name, Jesus. Amen.